Good afternoon. This is Nick Hoftel. Howdy, I'm Ben. This is Jeremy. Jeremy is going to be guest starring on today's episode. All the way from Wichita, Kansas. Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> wow. Did not know that. It's going to be 77 degrees in Wichita, Kansas tomorrow. That's, you know, and I like, miss it. I've never felt a need to take anti-depression medicines before. <laughs> Would you live in Wichita? I need them now. Yes, I'm up here temporarily for work oh. for about six months. Nice. If you I can hold up. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're going to talk about how some people think that Trump is the worst thing in the history of the universe. Myself included. Then in that camp. Some people are thinking that everything that he says is nuts. Myself included. Myself wondering if that's on purpose. And a lot of things that he does are not that bad. Are you going to so, stick to this 4D chess bullshit about how he's, this is some master plan? I have, I've oh, never, psych, like, I've never subscribed to the 4D chess thing because okay. my general philosophy is that if you're going to treat politicians and anyone in general as being... So brilliant that any, that even the things that they appear to do are as being crazy as being some sort of manipulative genius thing. It's not gonna like work out that well. It generally doesn't pan out that well. It's usually like even the the crazy things that people do. It tends to be just like lucky happenstances if they work out for them. And I think that's a lot of that with Trump. Like the things that he says, things that he tweets, things that he. Sends Kellyanne Conway out to say some things that he apparently sends Sean Spicer out to say are pretty spur of the moment, and there's not enough like preparedness for them for them to be forty yeah, yeah. chess. That's my issue is I don't think he prepares at all for <clears throat> anything. I think he just for things goes. that are sad. Yeah, just, just I, to, I don't think for really <laughs> for anything. Like quite honestly. <laughs> Uh, just a general comment about the uh, how in, uh, the intelligence and the quality of politicians now. A friend of mine, very, very left-wing, she'd probably self-identify as a socialist, we were talking one day and she said, think, think about the founding of the United States. Whether you like these guys or not, these were some of the smartest people in the world. You're talking like the top four or five percent of the intelligent people in the entire world at that time. Think about our politicians today. Do you think they're even in the top quintile? Of like intelligent, successful, good people—not even close. Really smart people don't want to put up with the BS that comes along with national politics. They look at that and go, "It's just so awful. I'm not going to put my family through it. I can make lots more money and do everything I want." We're selecting against quality politicians. So, no, no, nobody who is the president is at that is a genius level. They're just not. I will give you this. Uh... Some of the things you just said I would agree with, but I think that's a really hard objective. First off, you're talking about a large amount of people, uh, whether you're talking about congressmen, senators, people who've ran. I mean, I would argue, and this is politics aside, say what Quintile you want about them. Quintile is pretty, it's a broad. Yeah, and for, who are you comparing it to? Because the country ain't doing so great on the intelligence scale. So, I mean, if you're talking about compared to everyone, I wouldn't say that they're I don't think that it's a bunch of dummies. When you say good people, I definitely don't think there's it's full. Washington's full of good people, uh, but they're probably some of the most educated people, and that's not always a good thing. I'm saying mm -hmm. technically because generally speaking, they're wealthy, they have they're raised in good educations. Now that doesn't mean shit when they're not using it correctly, mm -hmm. but it's a very hard thing to objectively or subjectively say which, which quintile they're in. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to argue that, like, again, politics aside, and I was being hyperbolic about how I think Trump is the worst person in the world. I just hate the dude. Uh, it's one of the things I hate about him is this hyperbole. So I just wanted to get that out there. But I, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree Obama was a very educated terrible. person? Like, politics aside, I mean... Oh, he was an educated person, and I'd say he's he was a smart person, but he was not our best and brightest, just because that they self-select out of national politics. I'm not talking about our best and brightest, you know, talking about, like, you know, neurobiologists or something yeah. like that. I'm just talking about compared to other politicians. I would say he's up there as far as, you know, fairly fluent, uh, just, I, I would say, well-read, well-educated guy. 
compared to other politicians. Now, again, that's oh, like compared, yeah. yeah, sure, as far as... Again, that's um, not saying much. Even in, like, the mo modern history, he's probably the most educated president we've had. Because um, what... Bush had an MBA. Uh, Trump has an MBA. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think... Uh, when's the last time we had the... Well, Clinton was uh, a Rhodes Scholar. Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. I guess that's true, but... was. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to remember before Obama, when was the last time we had someone who was a... Wasn't, uh, constitutional scholar who hated the Constitution. Wasn't uh, Bush Senior? He had a master's in something, didn't he? I don't know that. All right, I don't know. I don't know why, but for some reason, I thought he had something to do with law. I feel like he, I thought he was a former lawyer, or judge. Or I something. just know about him being. He was head of the CIA, but okay. Know. Well, yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I'm not sure. Well, I think like the interesting like thing to come out of that discussion is like the quintile. That's a very broad range. Talk about hyperbole. That was that was <laughs> rhetorical sure. hyperbole. Like so, like the average like IQ of like an American adult is a hundred, right? And the like. Is it bad that I don't even know that? <laughs> Does that lower my my points? That I don't... could be. Though they 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 re they they reset that every few years. So if one hundred IQ is a moving target, it is intended to be the average. It's built into the average, right? Yeah. And the standard deviation is around like a 15, right? Mm -hmm. So 68% of people fall within 115 and 85. Okay. So like you're remaining like, so you're going to have like. Just, just for, just for scale. Isn't, uh, cause I don't remember, I don't remember IQ numbers much, but isn't like 60 or something like that when you consider like mental, mentally, when you're mentally, mentally deficient, when you're on like a spectrum of some sort. When you're you're put on a list, okay. You're put on a list, <laughs> okay. And if you're over one fifteen, so you're like one standard deviation above the mean, you're considered able to, with training and effort, basically be able to do any job. And right. you're smart enough. And then as you like move away from that, you can spend less and less time and more and more intuition, just besting and like reinventing any job. And if you took the SAT, there's a really easy chart you can look up to tell you approximately what your IQ is, if you remember your score. Comparatively. So, like, the, I mean, so, the top, like, like IQ-wise, like, the top quintile, I know it's a very broad range. Like, you're, you're going from, like, 112 IQ and up. And... If you have an, a politician that's in Congress or the Senate or got to the presidency that's only at that level, um, I mean, that, that, I mean, a presidency that would kind of be like the first time that that ever happened because I don't think of anything that I've seen that we've ever like had someone that was even accused of being dumb at that level. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, IQ level, even like Trump, like supposedly scores like very very high, like higher than. Even not Bill Clinton, but Hillary Clinton. Um, not so much W. Bush, but lower than H. W. Bush, so on and so forth. So there's highly intelligent people, but highly successful people that have established themselves and like outcompeted in different ways. Yes, if you have gotten to the age where you're going to run for an office, and you're in that top one percent half a percent, the top eighth of a percent of intelligence, and you've like demonstrated the capability to outcompete other people and produce, there's very little reason for you to be in politics. You'll make way more money elsewhere. Well, first off, I, I just, I, I hate when people talk about just IQs, because I feel like that's a very overrated well, it's number. general IQ. I know. I just feel like when you t when you when you get bogged down about numbers, I mean, it doesn't take into account like sociability or like rationalization. Like, I know people who are intelligent, but they're idiots, and I know people who are idiots, but they're actually like doing better in life because they're they 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 know how the real world works. Like, my brother is a doctor, and he's he's doing great now or whatever. But for a long time, I always thought like the biggest downfall uh, of his life was he was too smart. Like, he overanalyzed everything. Like, it led to him being unhappier and less successful because of how smart he was. And he was, he is one of the smartest people I've ever met. He got a 35 in his ACT out of 36. First time, no studying. Like, 
Yeah. Wrote his own ticket, like crazy smart dude. But it it wasn't good for him for a while. And now he's doing great now and he figured all that stuff out. But like I just feel like when you talk about you need to be this percentage or this number to be successful or whatever, like I don't know, I've I've had bosses before who didn't even go to college or something like that and they just out of sheer hard work and shit like that, like Well, I mean like being being talented at managing a particular position and being able to do a position or being even like necessarily smarter than people you're managing, they don't go hand in hand. They don't necessarily go together. And also like another big thing is we assume that when, when like people of a certain intelligence are able to reach their full intelligence at a relatively early age, really smart people don't necessarily get to that level when they're 16. Sometimes it takes till you're 30 to get to that point. You know? So just a comment about that. I remember everybody making fun of uh, Ben Carson when he did the said the whole thing about pyramids being used to store grain or something like that. And I saw all these jokes online about how he's not really he's not really smart, he's really stupid, all these things. And I, I remember seeing that and thinking to myself, people making these jokes have never really spent any time with really, really intelligent people. Because really, really intelligent people, you're talking about that top one, that top half a percent, mm-hmm. have just batshit crazy ideas about the world and life. And they just look at things differently and think of things differently. So if you think, haha, it's funny, he thought that um, pyramids are used to store grain, you just, you're revealing yourself as someone who doesn't, has never spent more than five minutes with someone who's three standard deviations in intelligence above yourself. Can I ask you this, Bill? Mm-hmm. And I'm not disagreeing. I don't know enough about Ben. I know he was a neurosurgeon or whatever. Yeah. Um, this has nothing to do with him personally. But my mom, she works with a lot of engineers. And mm-hmm. She says the same thing you're saying. They're brilliant people, but they might be completely just incoherent about certain regular topics because mm-hmm. they've spent their entire life focused on these things that we can't even comprehend. And they're that brilliant of people. But just because someone's that smart... Wouldn't you agree that there's certain positions you wouldn't want someone like that? Like, oh yeah. One thing about politics is, you're right. There, it is a deluded field we have. It is not the best and the brightest, and it's rare that you have someone I think that truly is in politics for the you know trying to do the greater good and all mm-hmm. that shit. But like, I feel like sometimes people go into it for the wrong reasons, and sometimes I think someone like. And I'm just using it as, as an example, Ben Carson or something like that. Someone who might not, you know, he might be brilliant in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but politics might not be one where he has the opportunity to use his intelligence for good. Yeah, yeah, I think he would have been a, a horrible president. Yeah. So I, I don't think that that necessarily translates into being good at that job. So yeah, I don't think Ben Carson would have been good at being president, but um, just making more of a general comment on how people view you intelligence and those there's nothing worse than that 120 IQ guy who thinks he knows what he's talking about and <laughs> just he's smart enough to know that he's smarter than most people but not smart enough to realize that mm-hmm. he's really not as smart as not 89 percent of people are still going to be smarter than him mm-hmm. and anybody that's actually come up with something is going to whip the shit out of him <clears throat> one of the smartest things that like one thing I always admire with people and I always view them smarter maybe than they are, is people that are willing to admit when they're wrong. And I hate when people are so smart that they like have gone through, and they've been right 90% of the time mm-hmm. because they are so smart, but because of that, they'll never admit the 10% when they're wrong. And I mm-hmm. hate people like that. It is uh, a pain in the neck. And I tell you, just on a, on a general living your life, and I've spent a long time managing people, mm-hmm. somebody who works, when you screwed up, and someone who works for you is coming in to confront you about screwing up, and you start you start that meeting. And go, I just gotta apologize. I completely screwed this thing up. You can see the air go out of the room. It's like, hey, I thought I was gonna come in and yell at you for fifteen minutes, but first thing you did was say, yeah, that was my fault. Let's fix it. It's just a better way to live your life. Yeah. And uh, regardless of how how smart you are or not, so that's my one of my life rules is never apologize if I haven't done anything wrong immediately apologize without prompting if I did do something wrong and then move on. I think that's a good way to live life. Now, if you want to compare that to someone that we agree is a petty narcissist, me, no, I'm just kidding. 
Donald Trump is uh, without question a petty narcissist, and we can we can go on for at length about uh, things that we disagree with him on. But I think like one by one we can go through things that he's said or gotten stuck on or been obsessed with that don't really make any sense. They don't have any tactical sense. Uh, like if we go back right to the inauguration. <clears throat> Like various members of the media pointing out pictures of, and like it was more or less a social media meme that spread around, a picture of his inauguration, like well before the crowds had really gathered, versus Obama's when everyone was gathered, and obviously there was way more people at Obama's inauguration because there were more people at Obama's inauguration than anyone, and. It allowed, like, the, the timing of the pictures that were compared just allowed a more dramatic comparison to be made. And rather than just pointing out, well, yeah, like, more people went because he was black. And he was the first black president. And just leaving it at that. Why do you have to do this whole preamble? Well, that's to what it is. Okay, like, you can do that. And I'm not even saying some of this shit is wrong, but why do you have to do this whole preamble and just admit that dude fucking lied? I'm just saying, like, this is what happened. Okay. Like, rather than just saying, I'm just saying what he should have said. More okay. people showed up to Obama's because he was the first black president, and I am not the first black president. So. I feel like that's a really easy thing to say, like, in a vacuum. That's the only reason why. I'm the guy that's cleaning up after him. So. Okay. Yeah, I, like, I think what Nick might be inartfully trying to say is that Obama's first inauguration was a historic event in a way that Trump's inauguration was not. More people showed up to that than, than any other one ever. And it may very well be the most attended any, at any time after that. But we understand why. And we understand why Trump's was not as much, and it shouldn't have been. And it well, really reasonably couldn't have been. Why Rather than just why doing that, what? Why? Because he's white. So what? There's more white people in the, in the fucking country. Yeah, that makes it boring. It was the biggest political comeback, like underdog election ever. Against Hillary. So what? That, you, you're just making excuses why more people didn't show up to him. I'm not even saying you're wrong. I'm just saying this is what I hate about. How is that more interesting than Obama winning? I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying like you're not wrong about it. I just get I get frustrated when everything like What's gonna drive everything that to show everything up? Okay. What? What's going to drive people to show up? Because there's the biggest underdog come from behind win ever. He has some of the most fanatical fans I've ever seen. Oh jeez. What? Am I wrong about that? You don't think that he has some of the most fanatical fans I've ever seen a politician, and that's not—that's not hyper. That's not hyperbolic. You don't think Trump supporters are some of a different breed of political fan? I think he. I think all the trolls are going to be like most interestingly and loudly behind him, but not actually care. Okay. Because nobody. All right, there's not that many people that like Trump. Even the people that are gonna like most loudly agitate and make fun of people that hate Trump, it has less to do with supporting Trump. It has, it has nothing to do with supporting Trump. It's just poking. It's it's setting off and making fun of those other people, and that's the most entertaining and enjoyable part of it. You think that there's a population of people in this country that's big enough to get a guy elected literally just to piss other people off? You think that's the reason why he won? No, I mean the people that you think are like so loudly in favor of him. I'm not saying 100 percent of are Trump supporters are the ones at the fucking, you know, wearing the red hat, at the, the crazy ones at the at the the mega hat. Yeah, the mega hat where they're you know like at like the ones you see in the news that are just like horrible depictions. Same with the ones that you know Obama always had those crazy ass ones that were hardcore for him. I know that there's a a large dichotomy of people and there's crazed fans on either side. But, like, the thing that pr frustrates me about Trump is, and the people that have continued to support him, is everything he does, I feel like, people are constantly justifying. They're just trying to rationalize everything he does, and it annoys the hell out of me, because it's like, and I understand both sides do okay. stupid-ass shit, but, so like, let's go through people that. Let's go through constantly one by one. Let's go justify through things one by one. Uh, illegal immigration. Should we solve this or not? Should we solve what? 
Should we deal with illegal immigration or not? Yeah. Okay. And how would we do it without beefing up border security with more border security agents and somewhat of a fence? How else would we do that? Well, I don't think, first off, I don't think a, a, a wall. So no fence? No. Okay. So a, a free and open plane. Look, I'm not going to come here and sit sit here. So and what, what, what should we do? I'm How not, should we deal with the border? I don't know. I'm not coming onto this podcast saying I have the fucking solutions for illegal immigration. But if you think a $28 billion wall is the answer, that's just ridiculous. Well, it's not the answer by itself at all. I don't even think it's remotely the answer. And the optics of it are going to do more negative than good. Well, I think that's, that's, um, that's debatable, for sure. The optics are, you're taking the border seriously. And that's what matters. Whereas before, we've treated it as a joke. Before, we've encouraged people to go across and abuse our rules, more or less because we wanted to treat businesses that wanted to employ those people and not pay Americans what they would demand to be paid to do those same jobs. The fundamental problem with illegal immigration is that uh, we pass laws saying don't do it, this is what happens if you do it, and then don't enforce them. Because we pass the laws to placate the majority of American voters who want a secure border and don't want legal immigration, and then we ignore the laws to placate the business interests uh, that want cheap labor. Or beyond that, we and so encourage the you, people to you, come across. You either need to enforce the laws as written or change the laws, but there is not the political will because most voters don't, they want the laws as is and enforced. And we're running into these problems now because we wanted to do both, pass the laws and ignore them. And you, that's just destructive to the uh, For 50 years we've wanted our tacos and to eat them too. Great, nice. You like that? Yeah, that was nice. I just, I feel like everyone talks about keeping them out. Why why isn't Trump more pissed about the people that are illegally hiring him, himself included? Like, why don't you get more pissed at the people hiring the illegal people? You stop you stop providing them with jobs and they won't have a reason to come over. And that's the other side of the coin. Okay, I feel like that'd be more effective than putting up a fucking wall. The, the fundamental problem that is kind of beyond America's control is why is Mexico so horrible that people want to literally risk death coming north? to get a job that pays them six bucks an hour or whatever. Or because Mexico has everything they need to be a functioning state. They've got year-round open ports, they've got natural resources, they've got arable land. There is no physical element of Mexico that uh, should cause them to be a failed state. But they're a failed state because they have a horrible kleptocracy of a government and enormous corruption. And a kleptocracy. A, a kleptocracy. That is, that's exciting. I have a, hold on, let me check. I'm semi. Kleptocracy. Thanks, Krieger. Interesting. Okay. Right, so I mean, kleptocracy of a government. Because okay. they they don't, they don't pay their public servants enough to, to live on the salaries they pay them, and so the public servants take bribes so they mm -hmm. can buy food to feed their families. And that it is it's baked into their into their system. The real solution to the problem is to make Mexico a functioning economy and society that people want to stay in. Mm -hmm. That's outside of the United States control. But we can make it more difficult and more of a pain on the neck to come here to change that calculus of am I going to risk death? Because already you know the calculus is way balanced towards illegal immigration because there are. And there was a not insignificant number of people who die coming north from Mexico. You get the wrong coyote and he just leaves you in a locked truck in the middle of the desert you know, with all your money. So, and you can just you can be dehydrate and die uh, just you know coming north on foot. It's very dangerous. So, the real solution long term is to make Mexico not a shithole. How does how does that happen? I don't know. Mexico and the Mexican government is not interested in doing that. They'd rather outsource social welfare to just go to the United States and get a crappy job. I don't know if the, I don't know if it's that they're not interested in. It. I think it's just a very difficult thing to do. It's been a broken system for so long. So the argument is that it's a narco state, 
and that's uh, a big part of it. Our open border and demand for illegal drugs has made it so profitable for Mexican drug cartels to ship drugs across the border, sell them to Americans, and then use the like somewhat of a portion of the profit that they gain to buy off every Mexican politician so that they never happen like they never get really challenged that they're able to do whatever they want. And then Mexico becomes a, 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 a narco state and never develops a true, like a real economy, like no real production, even though they have a fair amount of production, thanks to outsourcing. Um, <clears throat> I just feel like on the top 50 ways to solve the problem, a wall isn't even on there. I think that it will... Uh, even making marginal changes is going to have an effect and, and making it marginally more difficult. I think a fence would be better than a wall um, because you can see what's happening on the other side uh, easily. But I think putting up putting up a fence just starting in the areas that have the most traffic, I think will have would have a measurable measurable effect. If you wanted real efficiency, you know, the, a point I've made a, a number of times is that you can solve the problem. People just are not willing to do what it would take to solve the problem. For instance, you could you could mine the border with Mexico. You could put landmines on there, <laughs> and that would solve the problem. Because there, I mean, um, I think Raytheon makes like smart landmines controlled by controlled by satellites. You can get like an RFID pin on your shirt, so you can walk through them and not get not explode. There's all kinds of technology. It'd be a one-time deployment plus maintenance, but you'd have people blowing up and you'd be killing Mexicans. And we are a generally moral nation we're generally a compassionate moral I'm pretty moral sure people. that would fall into uh, international yeah. war crimes um, the United States has never the United States has never signed on the United States has never signed on to so wait, the treaty on. that wait, says wait I need to make my point first the United States has never agreed to the treaty that says you can't deploy landmines because they asked for an exception for the DMZ between North and South Korea and it was denied and said we're not going to sign you do not give us an exception for the DMZ. We won't sign. So we are not bound. As far as I know, I could be I could be mistaken about that. So but like putting landmines on within your borders. Let's say we landmined. I can't believe Nebraska. this is even like a topic we're talking about. Right <laughs> no, now. I'm not saying is... it's a good idea. I'm not. I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying it's a good idea that we should do it. I'm saying I would there, never advocate it. But I am we saying there are there are ways to solve the problem. We're just not willing to. We're not willing to go to the lengths that takes to solve. If we to say the problem is insoluble is incorrect. There are I never said it was insoluble. I just think the ways they're going about it is just straight up ludicrous. But well, I, 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 I do want to note for the record, I am like, not like advocating. Step. No, it's not. So like, if you want to get offense to the top will, of the offense stairs, offense will do nothing. Nothing. No, it won't. Nothing. Nothing. No, I think it would it's change like the activity. Just wandering without offense. Yeah, it, it it'll stop them for a week, and then. Just like inmates figure out shit like that, like people figure out a way and then boom, it's done. And the fact that we just spent a shitload of money for something that'll get oh, solved we'll in a week. Uh, okay, we put up an $8 billion fence or a $20 billion fence, they go buy a $6 fucking ladder. Boom, solved. Like, I just think like a, a fence optically looks terrible. It it goes against I think what well, this build a fence is. high enough. You put up a uh, you, you you put it up on one side. You put up your ladder on one side, and we do on the other side. All I'm saying is and why why is the bad. first step? These are people trying to get into the country to well. There's a huge of reasons about it now. The the liberal side of me goes. They're just trying to get good jobs and stuff. I know you're gonna you're gonna come back at me with some stats about the bad Bears. whatever it is. Why are, why is the immediate thing to Blame them for trying to come in here versus blaming the people that are hiring them. Oh, I, I don't blame them. I, I don't blame them. If I were stuck in a horrible country and couldn't get a job and feed my family, I'm going to do what it takes to feed my family. So I am not saying that they're necessarily bad people. I do object to, to coming and living in the country for 10 years and stealing someone's social security number and going, oh, now I'm a victim because I'm being deported. So I understand why you're doing it. But take the consequences of your actions. It is a completely foreseeable consequence of your actions that you might get deported and your child who is a citizen might be separated from you because you came to this country illegally. That's not like, oh my god, what what happened? How did this happen? You knew it could you absolutely knew it could happen. And that's so I don't blame those people. 
I would do I would do anything I needed if if I needed to 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 take care of my family I would do what I had to do. That does not make it. Oh, that does not mean that we should just go. Oh, okay, because the United States is an organization built for the benefit of current citizens of the United States, and it's up to us to decide: Are we going to let the people in or not? It's not up to some random guy who wants to get a job here. It's up to the citizens of the United States to decide: no, but is, this our, is this to our benefit? And if it's not to our benefit, are we willing to take the hit because we want to help Mexicans? I don't necessarily object to that, but it's not theirs to decide it's ours to decide and that's fine and i agree with you on that i'm just saying like i feel like it's a very easy thing to make this boogeyman of like oh we, we're this great nation and these these people are coming in and then they're stealing the social security like we have shitty citizens that live here and do oh, all of these crimes and if you look at like the statistics and, and stuff, i think they should be in jail too i know we I'm, can't deport them because they're <laughs> i'm just saying like there's there's other. It's easy to make these boogeymen out of the yeah. people that are coming in here and doing these yeah. things, and we have people. This is just happening yeah. in general in this country. They're normal folks. Wickedness and virtue are randomly distributed. There's they're, just people are just, shitty across the they, board, no they, matter where you're they, from. It is randomly distributed. I see you shaking your head, Nicholas. Uh, it, wickedness is randomly distributed. It is. It. it well, just you're, is no, you're after. a product of your environment. There are places that have higher statistically of like crime and stuff like that because if you grow up in a socioeconomically Poor place or something like that. You have a higher chance. Yes, you do. I associated with IQ. I get the fuck out of here. I, you, you have talked to me about this before, and I get so frustrated when you say this stuff. Because it's just. I'm not saying you're. I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but there's a reason why. Uh, there's a reason why a, a population has a statistically lower IQ or something like that. No, they're dumb. Because. It's not because they're dumb. Because they've had fucking obstacle after obstacle for decade after decade and generation after generation. Are you fucking kidding I, me that you just roll your eyes and make a jerk-off thing? <laughs> that you think there's not, like, socioeconomic obstacles about entire generations of people who have been uh, obstructed for hundreds of years? You don't think that's, like, a, a legitimate thing? So within, a, within what you would, like, define maybe a good population, people separate it out on their own because they're dumb and they can't, like, exist within an overall population. And they make these things called trailer parks. And then they commit crimes on the same, like, pretty much the same, like, level of propensity. So one, and one thing. And level of IQs of, like, other populations that we're going to talk about. So, like, you can mix everything up and people will, like, self-separate and then commit crimes. So one thing, there is a really good book by Stuart Ritchie called Intelligence, All That Matters. And it talks about basically the state of the art of intelligence research. IQ is significantly heritable. That doesn't mean it's necessarily all genetic. It means that it's very heritable from your parents to the children mm -hmm. that the in, intelligence, intelligent quotient, does pass through. And I certainly believe, uh, unlike Mr. Huftel here, I certainly believe that your environment can have a lot to do with it, but sure. I still subscribe to the, the, the dictum of Marcus Aurelius. Oh As Marcus Aurelius said, wherever a man can live, there also he can live well. They're, they're, your environment is not making you rob a liquor store. Your environment, I mean, it's not, a, it's not some kind of surprise that sticking a gun in someone's face and staking their money is a moral wrong. You know it is. That is something that you naturally know. You don't have to be told. You can say that, but I feel like that's a lot easier to say for someone who hasn't had to live in a situation like that. There's a reason what why... What do you know about me? There were drug busts in my front yard... Helicopters. You're right. I, I don't. Know. I lived in a in a gang infested barrio growing up. Then you, you did don't a great... know a damn thing about me. Okay, you're right. That, maybe that was a bad thing to say, but you got out, and that's Always great. That's the American say. story getting out there. But everything we're talking about here is on like an individual level. I'm talking yeah. about fucking millions of people. Sure. Just when you talk about individuals. Millions of individuals, but when you take it and by like a statistical case, it's really easy to say like. Well, this person got out of this, and that's awesome, and I'm sorry that I even presumed anything about that or whatever, and that's great. But, like, if you're talking about, like, if you do it, a hundred people that had your situation, statistically, yeah. probably a lot of them well, weren't going to get out like that. I had two married parents that are still married, and uh, none of us used drugs, we didn't get abused, so, you know, I had, it, I had it great, we lived in a shitty, horrible place. Yeah. But, uh, so I do, I mean, I take your point, and I take Nick's point, and... So I absolutely, there are people for whom the cards are dealt against them when they're born, and it's very difficult 
for these people in aggregate to be successful in the same way that I was successful. I completely get that. But you look at an individual person, they are responsible for the moral choices they make. You cannot, when you're an adult, you cannot blame somebody else. I did this bad thing because of this environment. You just can't do it. it no, at some, on, at some point, on, a victim becomes a victimizer. It is on you when you make moral choices. And I this completely is coming, agree with you. Coming as someone who has made uh, dubious to bad moral choices in my life. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I understand that there are environments that make things terribly difficult. My wife is a social worker. And she did investigations for the state of Kansas for a while. And some of the environments she saw, I can't imagine how that, that kid, because she did child investigations. And I, I just can't imagine how that kid is even sane going through some of the stuff that they, that they went through. It just, it's crazy. And Nick, you, I don't know if you have any insight into environments like this, but there are things that, you, that level, no. you would not believe that people do to their kids and put their kids around. You have no clue. Just none. Something I learned from my wife being a social worker, it is hard to get your kids taken away. You have to work at it. That's a really you know, sad reality. Yeah, I mean, like, injuring your child, that is not enough. I mean, significantly, your, your kid goes to the hospital with a concussion that very clearly you caused your kid, you're not going to get your kid taken away. You have to do something like that a number of times. So, and it's not because the state doesn't all care. that I want to injure your kids and not get your kids <laughs> taken yeah. away. Uh, what exactly so, level, Jeremy, if you had to uh, draw a line as to where you... No, I'm just kidding. So, I mean, the, but the, the thing is that uh, it is... There, there are people who grew up in environments that are horrific beyond your belief. Mm-hmm. And I certainly didn't believe this, but my wife would go, she would just, oh man, I had a rough day. X, Y, Z happened. And it's, it's, ast- it's astounding. Does so, she, would, would she say, I don't know if you've ever asked her about this, but I mean, does she see where these kids turn out? Um, there are definitely some that, uh, well, you know, when you're doing an investigation for the state, you're in contact with this person for 30 to 45 days, and you might not ever see them. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to it's hard to say. She's a therapist now, so she doesn't do okay. that kind of work anymore. But um, I'd I'd have to talk to her about that. But I uh, statistically, yeah, some of the stuff those people went through, it's likely they're not going to do a whole lot. turn out well. Yeah. But. I know, and I know I've been ranting for a while. One one of the one of the kind of another rules in my life that I live by is that it don't blame other people for your problems, even if your problems are or really are someone else's fault, because it doesn't no, no one is going to work to fix it except you. It's it's you. That's it. Mm-hmm. So saying it's this other person's fault. Okay, fine. What are you going to do to fix it? Because. That person, even if even if you're yeah. right, who gives a shit? Even if you're right, it doesn't do any. It doesn't do any good. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. In the branch, I'll, I'll let you guys talk. About All right. That. So like, oh, that was that was like a, my point with the heritability of intelligence is you can do damage. You can definitely like you're basically born with like whatever you're gonna have. Right, that's right. We disagree with you. No, okay. we've, had, we've had this debate a hundred times. You can do a lot of damage, addiction to drugs, like abuse, like all those things have like. They contribute heavily to the variance in IQs from like the previous generation. It's about seventy percent dependent on like heritability and thirty percent variance. Most of that thirty percent is damage that can be done. There's very little that you can do to move someone up a rung if you would if you want to look at it that way. Like really, like whether if you have a, like, a tough situation and you're just Genetically advantaged, if you want to put it that way. The main difference is it just takes you longer to reach that level than it would have been. Instead of maybe 22, maybe it takes to your 28. This is just, again, we've had this, I think we've had this on like three podcasts. I fully and fundamentally disagree with you on that. And I, you, you can have that opinion. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I disagree with you. And I don't want you to talk about that like it's just like some consensus acknowledged factual statement like what you're saying because you I disagree with you you should both read Intelligence by Stuart Ritchie 
I will. I actually would like to check that out. We'll give you. It's it's a quick read. It's I think it's less than a hundred pages, but it just. And he is definitely a proponent of IQ is a real thing that's measurable that has knock-on effects in in your life um, over a wide variety of ranges. So he he's not necessarily in in your camp. He's probably closer to Nick's camp, but he's a scientist who knows what he's what he's talking about, and it's a really helpful book to help you think about IQ generally. There's an author uh, I can't remember the name of his book. It's a Malcolm Gladwell book. It's like the, the story of, I cannot remember the name of the kid. And basically, the, the, the premise of it was, it was talking about how there was all these studies done on, they were, they were trying to find geniuses out there, you know, people of exceptional mm. intellectual ability. And what they found was the percentage of people that, quote unquote, had these signs, you know, in like fourth grade or whatever, like mm-hmm. exceptional ability, really... It didn't matter where you were going. The same percentage of kids were there in any race, in any country, or whatever. But if they don't have the opportunities to flourish those things, it's really difficult to get out of some of those situations. And the point being is, if you have money, if you have opportunities, it just extends your likeliness. Like it, it gives you more opportunities to fail. If you're dirt poor and you have like six siblings, and I'm way Something. interested in seeing that shit. I, I will I, I will find the book and I will send it to you. I because, swear. like, the fundamental difference is, like, different populations, some of them mature at different rates and will reach their full level of potential a lot earlier. And many, like, the ones that, like, reach their rate or their full potential earlier will, on an IQ test when they're in, like, fourth grade, be way ahead of someone that will then kick the shit out of him at 24. Yeah, but couldn't you just argue that that's a cultural thing? Because some No, no, we're talking about like maturity rates. Like they were like a foot taller in fourth grade and then they ended up at the same height. They're like, we're talking about like the growth of brain capacity. We're going to talk about whether like whether their like population is like a K type versus an R type, like a rabbit versus like what you train something to be. There's a difference. Like people, I, populations I, mature at different rates. I accept minor dif. I understand that there's genetically minor differences between people, but I do not subscribe to the fact that there is incredible differences between certain populations. I think that there's Why? cultural things because I think there's examples, and I'm generally someone who's against outliers. I just think that like when you talk about it trying to figure out how to articulate this. When you talk about it, I feel like you put this certain race or region or whatever, however you want to talk about it, as like, you're talking about almost as like a superior thing or a superior person or something like that. And I feel like you're talking about a population or a region or whatever you're talking about. Generally, the ones that you've said have had centuries of advantages. And I think that there's enough evidence to show that you give someone from fucking some random kid now some people just are born smarter or dumber i'm just when i talk about everything i I, i'm not talking about individuals per se i'm talking about the masses and i'm saying if you get a sample size of any population and you give them the certain advantages and you you take another sample size you're going to have about the same works like or results i should say oh okay i mean you're wrong but that's interesting see this is i heard you can say you disagree but don't just say i'm fucking wrong Oh, like next week. I'll I, I heard a, uh, I, I think this was Charles Murray, uh, Charles Murray quote, but I, it, it's been years since I heard this, but it, I remember being surprised with the, from the source of the quote, but it's somebody who spent a long time studying intelligence, and he said, if you take uh, a, a random black man, a random white man, the difference between their intelligence is going to be less than if you take an intelligence test of two identical twins. The difference in their intelligence, if you took like, you know, several hundred of each of those populations, that you'll have more of a difference on average between two twins than between just your random black guy and white guy. Are you familiar with the and Minnesota I, twins <coughs> test? <coughs> so I'm not, I'm just, I'm just talking about 
I, I think people, to, to, to his point, I think people overestimate the importance of the, 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 the difference between the average intelligence tests of population, actual population, why. I think more important than a twin test is the Stanford Marshmallow Test. Have you heard of the Stanford Marshmallow Test? That's yeah, it's just like the ability <laughs> to delay it's, gratification. It's delay gratification. So that, I don't know if you haven't heard of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Stanford, yeah, yeah. They give yeah. you, you can have one marshmallow now, or two if you wait 10 minutes, you can have two marshmallows or whatever. And kids who wait for the second marshmallow, they, they'll look at them 10, 20, 30 years later, and they're more successful, they're more happy, they've got less... Um, less indices of whatever you know negative outcome you want to look at. If just now, how much of that is cultural? How much of that is intestinal fortitude? It's probably a mix of all of that stuff. It, it's hard. It's basically impossible for us to determine what is mm. whether that is genetic, whether that is cultural, whether that is. Whoever. There's like one test, like the Big Five, like as opposed to like the Myers Briggs personality test. That and part of the Big Five is there's one one level which is just like. Uh, not psychopathy, but like, um, I'm an idiot right now. I have to put this, so have to you, put this you do know that Myers Briggs is is in many quarters considered right. pseudoscience and is very controversial. I think I'm it's sure it I think it's moderately predictive. I mean, I'm an INTJ, and I think that's a, that's a fairly decent uh, description of of my basic personality. Mm -hmm. But there are like. Uh, social scientists who think it is complete malarkey. Just want to make sure that you are aware that it's not just. I mean, some people say that. I don't understand, like, why. Well, I think the issue with the Myers Briggs, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but isn't isn't a lot that people hate it is it's very. There's no one way to interpret it. <clears throat> so. Well, that's why each like of the four things is considered a spectrum. Like a hundred one way versus a hundred the other way. I, look, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I've taken Myers Briggs test. I don't know much yeah. about it, but I've I've read stuff about yeah. how it, a lot of people yeah. question it. So I've taken it like maybe three times over the course of about ten years, and I always got INTJ. So it's not like it's come. And that is INTJ is a fairly decent uh, description of my personality. Mm -hmm. But then again, I was just there was some somebody that I uh, know on Facebook, and she said something about being an INTJ, and it was funny to me because if you would just ask me how alike we were I would have said we're nothing alike but she's an INTJ and I am too and she went to the Chicago Art Institute and basically has her own business creating like she did like sleep masks and stuff and she's this very That's kind of artsy yeah. creative person and she's an INTJ and that is very much uh, not like me but. so like the, the problem with it is like so like introvert versus extrovert like intuitive versus sensing feeling versus thinking um, perceiving versus judging that's like a full range. So if someone falls like fairly close to the median on multiple different of those spectra, they're like whatever whatever letter assignment you give them is completely meaningless. But if you're someone who is decidedly on one side or other on each of those spectra, then it means something. So like it just it depends. So like what like what I like one of the big five I was talking about. There's like two things that are not on those like conscientiousness and neuroticism. Like if you're very conscientious, you're gonna care about a lot of things that you're talking about. Neuroticism. Oh, they said eroticism. I thought, neuroticism. I thought he said eroticism <laughs> as well. It's like that's on the fucking Myers Briggs test. <laughs> no, this is not Myers. This is the the big five, oh, which okay. is kind of similar. I, I kind swear, of I thought you said eroticism. I, me, me too. So conscientiousness is like within that considered like the most important indicator as to whether or not someone's going to be like successful or not because it's just how much you can care about doing the things that you have to do. So I, I have a comment about what we've used several times the term successful and I, I want to tell you a little story about my mom's cousin and probably one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. Is this something where we need to stop recording? No, this is this is fine. No names will be named. So, one of the smartest people, one of the most well-read people I've ever met in my life, just calm and at peace with life. He had a very difficult life. He got married to a very intelligent lady, and they kind of had a deal. It's like, okay, you both have bachelor's degree degrees. He was going to work while she put her pills through law school, and then she was going to work. He was going to be able to do law school, and so he worked, put her through law school. She graduated and divorced him, 
and it just kind of sent his life on a spiral, became an alcoholic, and just his life crashed and burned. And coming out of that, he kind of said, basically, fuck what society thinks about success. And he worked manual labor jobs for the rest of his life and was perfectly happy. It's like, I want enough money that I can take care of my mom. His mom, his dad had died really young, so he took care of his mother. Like a big he, he bought, he bought, he, I, I want to be able to buy my books. He always bought books. New. If, if an author was alive, he would never buy a used book. He was going to buy a new book to support that author. So he read all the time, thought about philosophy, talked about philosophy, and was just content. He was a, he was like a, 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 a stoic philosopher. He was content. In his mind, he was successful. Working in his crappy warehouse job, he died in a chair at, at midnight in a warehouse at 50. But one of the most just kind of content with life guys... I've ever met in my life, and he, in his own mind, was successful. The three of, I suspect the three of us around this table, not knowing anything else about him except he was 50 years old and died in a warehouse, uh, we would go, this guy was, was not a successful guy. Okay. His definition of successful, he was perfectly content with his life. Living as a bachelor, he was able to take care of his, uh, uh, of his aged mother, he was able to buy books and read them. And talk about them with people, he was fine. Uh, so, so I think when we say successful, I think we're kind of thinking about I'm making one hundred thousand dollars and I've got this nice car and I'm I'm comfortable. I would I would like to know what you mean when you say successful because that's a very valid point. When I hear that story, now that's not successful in my opinion sure. for me, but for him, that's a successful life. Yeah, sounds like a MGTOW life. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like within the general conception of in a competitive nation or a competitive society, you're just doing better than everyone. Like, whatever your field is, you're excelling in but, it. But again, does that... So are we talking purely money? For or, the most part, but not completely. I mean, because what if you're rich but miserable? Like, you fucking... You hate your wife and your kid's a piece of shit. And so you just go home back, from right. work every day. So now, just, now we get back to the MGTOW life. So MGTOW is men going their own way, right? Uh, people that... Or men that have through, like, just misadventure or foolishness or whatever, just either discovered or decided that the divorce court is completely stacked against them, that society is, like, not in their favor and they can do a lot better and they can have a lot more fun and a lot more enjoyment by just saying, what? screw all of the societal norms. What, I'm not going to get married. Is, I'm not gonna... is this, like, a group? It's I've never heard of MGTOW. Men going their own way. I think it's sort of like the men's rights. It's kind of there's some overlap with, with men, men's rights and like the pickup artist community. There's some overlap, but there's not. It's there's some overlap. Thing. Like MGTOW, like more or less, just abandons the whole like idea <clears throat> of like a real relationship ever. Okay. Like you just like they're going their own way, and that's it. And fuck everyone else. All right. Because I've like, determined that just. Like, pers- like participating in normal society is just going to screw them over and fuck it. Sounds like an angry life, but okay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think some of that, you know, um, I so think there's a there's a there's a fine distinction between like a, a true stoic and someone a follower of stoic philosophy, and something like the MGTOW, uh, which seems to me to be sort of much more performative. Much more. Hey, look! I'm doing this thing, and I'm calling it MGTOW, as opposed to someone like my mom's cousin, who's like, "I'm just going to do this thing, and I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to join some movement or talk about how I'm doing this this thing. I'm just going to do this yeah, he's thing. Just live his life. He's just going to live my life. I don't need to. So I think because a, a, a lot of those movements, I think they have successfully diagnosed a problem. But they're not really in a healthy, in not a really solution. healthy in a healthy way, going about uh, a solution. I don't even care about a solution. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about. That. I don't want to say anything about big tech because I, I don't know anything about it. It's kind of weird. I, I've heard of you know you said about like the men's rights and stuff. I, I feel like what you just said is the best way to put it. There's a lot of times where people recognize a problem, but sometimes they go about it in unhealthy ways when it becomes like extremism about whatever the cause is. And that happens in fucking every movement or whatever. There's always, or not always, but there's often a good reason for it to start and then people take it to an extreme and ruin the whole thing for everyone. 
So I don't, that's all I got to say on that because I don't know shit about Miguel. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I wouldn't even bother like getting into it much deeper. So <laughs> I do see on like the only reason why I, like I understand the opinions when I see stuff on like I'll, I'll see on Reddit every now and again there'll be like a subreddit for like men's rights or whatever and I understand the basis and stuff of what they're saying but I just feel like a lot of the people that take that stuff really seriously are just so fucking angry like and they're just using it as like a platform to just talk about how fucking angry they are and like I even I even like can understand what some of their points are I just mm. Like, if I was ever going to be a politician, I would never be one. But if I, like, my platform would just be like, everyone fucking calm down. Like, just everyone relax. Yeah. Everyone's, like, so, not 100% right. Everyone's, yeah. it's somewhere in the middle. I'd be like the gray party. <laughs> right in the middle. Just calm like, down. Just take everything a little like bit. Like gray aliens? Seriously. Or are we getting the lizard people? <laughs> just. So, yeah, the thing about, like, the men, men's rights stuff, I, I, I think you're, 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 you're right. I mean, I'll see these people, and I'll, I'll and, I, and I have not ever delved too deeply into it, but I'll, I'll, I'll see them talking about just how horrible women are and all, all this kind of thing. I must be running into a different population of women than you are. Even like the ex-girlfriends I had that it didn't work out. <clears throat> and some of them were really crazy and toxic and horrible. But it's like, I was not generalizing that to all women. And I've been in that situation where I couldn't get a date and I was really depressed. But it, I mean, I, I that never kind of metastasized into women are horrible as a population and it seems that's like, the part that I hate. it seems to fit a group where you can get a date whenever you want it's just once you do then your life is ruined so I, it's interesting it's not I don't know it's like the only like the only legitimate complaint that I see among them is that just like the divorce laws are absurd oh, they're absolutely victimizing and make I'm it not, I'm where, not like, at there's all basically saying. no reason to get yeah. married without protections I'm not saying that there's they. My whole point was they have legitimate. There are legitimate things coming out of it, but when you just start straight up hating half the people on the planet because they have a vagina, mm. that's when it goes a little insane to me. Because you know what, I, I have met my share of crazy women out there, and I've had some bad girlfriends and some good ones. But like, there's a pretty wide spectrum of ladies out there. Maybe you hate a lot of them, but there's always yeah. good ones out there. You know, right. like. And same for guys. There's just shitty people across the board, and there's yeah. good people across the board. It gets back to what I was saying before. You look at this as a problem, but the only thing that you have the power to change is yourself. So yeah. if you can't get a date or all your relationships are bad, what kind you, of person you can't, are you attracting, yeah. finding, or seeking out? Yeah, and you can't change those other people, but you can change yourself. So that the only, the only course that's going to do you any good is to examine yourself and go... This is the this is the goal I want to achieve. What do I have to change about myself to achieve that goal? And I'm not someone who is very successful with the ladies, but I've been married 16 years and I'm happy and content. And it's it's well, fine. I've been married 16 times. That is true. I have I have close relatives who are getting close to the double digits for the number of uh, what? Wow. So That's I I had a lady I used to work with who uh, she had been married several times. The husband she was with now, I think she's still married to him like 15 years later and she was very happy with him, but he'd been married several times too. And she was kind of like my work mom. You know, she was just a very friendly person. We got along very well. And she came to me one day and was just incensed and she said, "My mom is engaged to my ex-husband." And her mother married her ex-husband and was married to him for like 18 months. And so that is probably the most uh, screwed up relationship like, like that that, uh, that I can think of. I think we're going to cut it off there. Uh, after this, Ben and I got in an interesting debate on the nature of education and how it's built on a feminine behavioral standard and the effects that that has for young boys and the effect that it has on uh, drugging young kids um, but I just switched channels and it sounded like a garbled mess so we got cut off like kind of early in that discussion anyway so uh, I think we're going to come back to that next week to close the loop on something that we discussed earlier in the podcast I encourage everyone to look up a study uh, just google IQs of identical twins reared apart it's kind of a, a grouping of several studies together uh, showing that like the standard deviation of IQs of the general population is 15. Um, 
the average difference of uh, identical twins that were raised separately is like six point six, I think. But then the the standard deviation of that difference, uh, there's some outliers, is only five point two. So that's roughly a third of the general population, um, which leads to the argument for why most of intelligence isn't is it's there's certainly nature and nurture, but it's the vast majority of that is nature, and that's kind of that's part of the supporting documentation behind that belief. I think we'll probably talk about that more next week. But uh, thanks for listening to Milwaukee Logic. We'll talk to you next week.